Hello and welcome back to session 10 of the new creation teaching series that we are in. And in this session, we are going to discuss exciting things. This session is entitled Realities About the New Creation. And we are going to discuss five truths or facts about the new creation, about the believer in Christ. And this session will be again a, a marathon through the New Testament. There will be a lot of verses, so biblical passages. But I, I ask you, I will encourage you to bear with me and to have patience because they are exciting and uh, powerful scriptures that will build you up in faith. And uh, I chose to put them all together in one session. I, I realized that it's, it's a marathon and I could do maybe tens of separate messages only from this session, from the verses in this session. But I chose to put them in one, in one session. Uh, first, because this is mostly a teaching seminar. It's not a preaching or sermon. So it's a little bit more elaborate, more, more verses there. It's, it's more like a study. And second, I wanted, to I wanted you to have all these verses about the new creation put together in one session so that you could easily review them, come back to them, meditate on them, proclaim them, pray over them so that they would build you, uh, they would help you renew your mind and renew our minds and help us build us in faith into the new identity in Christ that we have. So if you're ready today, although we will have uh, many pass biblical passages to read, there are mainly five truth five things that i will share with you today the first one is that and don't uh, don't be scared it may sound a little bit scary but uh, let's look in the bible and see what is this about and study for ourselves so the first thing that i will share with you today is that the new creation is one with the trinity the father jesus christ or the word and the holy spirit in essence and nature but not in roles that's the first thing that i'll share the second one is that the new creation is the word of god and third the new creation has and is the glory of god the fourth one is that the new creations are kings and priests and the last one the fifth one is that the new creation uh, is the light of the world and the salt of the earth so if you're ready let's begin with the first one that the new creation the believer in christ is one with the father one with jesus christ one with the holy spirit in essence and nature but not in roles and we'll, we'll, start, we'll begin by reading the first two scriptures. The first one comes from John chapter 1 verses 12 to 13. And then 1 John 5, 5 verses 4, verse 4. So the first one, John 1, 12 to 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. They were born of God. And the second one from 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Again, this passage says that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Who was born of God? If not the new creation, the believers in Christ, they were born of God, from God, and they overcome the world. So Christians are born of God. That means they have the same nature as God that divine nature and and we know from like from nature and creation that dogs give birth to dogs cats give birth to cats human beings give birth to human beings and god gives birth to gods with small g 
God, G-O-D. Am I and my, my earthly father one? Are you with your father, with your earthly father one? Yes, in terms of nature, of the human nature, you are one with him, but not in roles. Your father has a different personality, different path in life, different skills, different abilities, different desires, different gifts. And in the same way, kind of in the same way, we are one, the new creation is one with God the Father, but not in role, just in essence. It shares the same essence, the same nature. And I don't know, at this point, while we are on earth, we might not know exactly the full extent of our abilities as, as a nature, as God. For instance, in regards to omniscience, omni, omnipresence, omnipotence, uh, we cannot experience those while we are on this earth. And I don't, I'm not sure how much of those we will experience when we are in heaven. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. But while we are on this earth, we can know four things for sure, at least four things clearly, that hopefully will help ease our mind, that I'm not into any new age teaching or in the negative extremes of the Word of Faith movement. So there are at least four things clear about this thing, about the nature of God, being one with God in nature, but not in roles. The first one is, even as a new creation and as a God with small g, G-O-D, I live, we live in a human physical body and that imposes some limitation on the extent of, manifest, of the manifestation of the God nature in the same way that was Jesus's. The God nature of Jesus was kind of limited. He did a lot of supernatural things, but he was limited being in a body. He would not be in many places at once. Uh, he was tired. He has to sleep. So he was kind of limited even though he was fully God. Amen. The second thing is that even though we are limited as because we are in human physical body, we can know for certain from what is revealed in scripture some of the abilities and rights that I that we can manifest of this divine nature here on earth. And those things are healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead, walking in perfect health and prosperity, in wisdom, in holiness, in peace, in joy, in authority over the devil and over all darkness. So these are the things, the supernatural things that we know that we can manifest for sure. And this is our right and our responsibility in the end. The third thing is that the divine nature and the dominion of the new creation does not have any right or authority to exert control, manipulation or rulership over other people or other people's lives, wills and desires. That is reserved to God himself and even God himself respects the free will, free choice of people. So in no, in no way uh, this God nature gives us the right to rule or to to try to dominate to manipulate to control other people's lives amen and the fourth thing is that god the father the son and the holy spirit are the only ones who will ever receive worship from all creation that is part of their specific roles the new creation in christ will never receive worship from anybody amen this is the sin for which Lucifer was cast out of heaven. You don't want to get into that sin. And we see that in Exodus 20, 1 to 6, where God says clearly, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. 
You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Amen? So these four things I wanted to, to say even from the beginning so that I, I would ease your mind when I talk about the glory of God, about the nature of God in us, is not that we are the same as God the Father. He, he is God. He's God Almighty. And the same for Jesus Christ, for the Holy Spirit. In no way I'm trying to, to be like them or to try to be above them, any, anything like that. But in the same time, the scripture shows us, reveals to us some powerful truth that we cannot throw away. We can, because of the fear of not getting into something dangerous, we cannot throw away some powerful things, some powerful scriptures that build us in faith and that, uh, that help us walk in more victory while we are on this earth. Now let's move on. We are still in the first point that the new creation is one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John 10, the verses 30 to 36, and Psalm 82, verse 6. We'll read them together. So the first passage. I and the Father are one, says Jesus. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, You are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God. Let's read the, also Psalm 82, 6, from where Jesus Christ took this, this um, uh, quotation. I said, you are gods. Psalm 82, verse 6. I said, you are gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High. So, if we look in John 10, verse, verse 30, Jesus said that he was one with the Father. But then we know that even he did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped or taken easily. We see that in Philippians 2, 6, where it says this thing. And then we see in Matthew 24, verse 36. Matthew 24, 36. We see that there are things that the Father, only the Father knows and the Son does not. Uh, although they are equal. So the Son, for instance, did not, does not know the day when He is supposed to come back. That's what Matthew 24, 36, He doesn't know all the things that Father kept, kept for Him. So they are equal in nature, but not in roles. The Father has a, a slightly different role than Jesus Christ, and the same with the Holy Spirit. We know that the, this is the era, the church era of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit is mainly involved in the application of the gospel of salvation to people. So they are equal in nature, but not in role. Those to whom the word of God came, says verse 34, are called gods, with small g, G-O-D. They are called gods by God himself. Look at verse 44. Jesus answered them, has it not been written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods, God called them gods, to whom the word of God came. So to those to whom the word of God came, God calls them gods. 
Now I have a question. Did the word of God come to you? The word of gospel, the word of the gospel, the word of his grace come to you? Yes, of course. So that because of that, you are a God. With small g, you are a God. Maybe it's, it's very difficult for us to believe that. But that's what we are. And scripture says clear that we are. And Jesus, we see in verse uh, 36, that Jesus was sanctified by the Father and sent into the world. But we know from John 20, 21, that as he was sent, we the believers were sent exactly like Jesus. Amen. That means we were also sanctified by the Father. We were also sent into the world and we are also sons of God. So we are God's. Amen. So let's see Hebrews 2.11. This is even more powerful and more striking. God says here, for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So both Christ who sanctifies and us, those who are sanctified, are all from one Father. We are all born from one Father. And that's why, for which reason, He is not ashamed to call us His brothers, His brethren. We are the brothers of Jesus Christ. It's, it, it might be difficult to believe, hard to believe, but that's the truth. He is our older brother. Jesus Christ is our older brother. Now we are part of God the Father's household. Amen. And that's so powerful when you when you grasp this truth that we are one of, of all of one father. We are born of one father and we are sanctified by the father. We are sent into the world exactly as, as Jesus was. So that means we are gods. We are governors. We are rule, rulers over over the earth, over the sin, over uh, circumstances. So that is why we are the brothers of Jesus Christ and we share the same nature as Jesus and the Father. How are we doing so far? Are you excited? Let's move on to the next uh, passage from John 5.18 where we read this. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Do you see this passage? So by, by only the Jews considered that Jesus made himself equal to God only by saying that God was his father. Is God the father, our father, the believer's father? Of course He is. The Bible says that God is our Father. We are born of God. We are born of His. So that means, according to the scripture, that we are also to be considered equal to God. Because we just say that God is our Father. And that makes sense, right? If Jews considered Jesus Christ, that He proclaimed Himself equal with God just by saying that God is my Father, all the more we believers, new creation, who are the children of God, the sons and daughters of God, in reality, we are not metaphorically sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters of God Himself. The whole heaven, the angels are lower than us. It's not, it's not a thing to be proudful, but this is the reality. All the angels, all the creatures of heaven are below us. The Bible says that the new creation will, will judge angels. So all the heaven respects us because we are the sons and daughters of God himself. We are in Christ. We have the same authority, the same reputation, the same power as Christ himself. 
the same nature. That is extraordinary. That is so amazing. And it just builds me up, builds me up while I'm speaking. Uh, let's move on to the next uh, scripture. John 14, 18 to 20 says this. Let's read it together. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you after a little while. The world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will all you will live also in that day. You will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. That's another extraordinary scripture. See in verse 20 says that day. What is that day? That day refers to the day after Jesus' resurrection when, when, we, when we have become new creations. After Jesus was resurrected, we enter the era of the new creation, the era of the church, the era of the uh, when, when believer, when anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, anyone who receives Jesus Christ by faith becomes a new creation. So in that day, after my resurrection, you will know, look at verse 20, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. So Jesus Christ is in the Father, meaning that all of Christ is in the Father. But then he says, we are in Christ and Christ is in us, meaning that we are also one with Christ. Isn't that right? So Christ is in the Father, but we are in Christ and Christ is in us. So we are in the Father too. Uh, meaning that we are one in Christ. Since Christ is in the Father, we are also one with the Father. And I'll explain it again. So Christ is in the Father. All of Christ is in the Father. But, but then we are in Christ and Christ is in us. That means we are one with Christ. But since Christ is in the Father, then we are also in the Father. Amen? John 17, 21 says this. That they may all be one, says Jesus, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Look what this verse says. Here Jesus makes this union with him and with the Father very clear. It's not a oneness between him and the Father and a separate oneness between us, the new creations. It's not like that because this is the this is the uh, sense that most people read and we might tend to read the same. But look at this verse. He says this, that the Father is in Christ and Christ in the Father. It says that even you, Father, are in me and I in you. So the Father, Father is in Christ and Christ is in the Father. And then it says, we, the new creations, are in them says that they also may be in us. So we are in them. We are in the Father and in Christ. Amen. And they are in us. Plus we know that the Holy Spirit is in us already without measure. The whole Holy Spirit is in us. So this verse shows clearly this union. It's not a separate oneness between Christ and the Father and a separate oneness between us and your creation. We are all one in nature. We are all one in uh, um, in the same nature, the same uh, spirit and uh, I explain this verse because here is very clear how Jesus sees this union but then we see also two more verses in the same chapter 17 we see verses 11 and 22 let's read them in, in, uh, verse 11 says this I am no longer in the world and yet they themselves are in the world and I come to you holy father keep them in your name the name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are 
he is, Jesus says that may, they may be one exactly as we are one. So they are one with us. We are one together, but then they are one with us. And verse 22, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, says Jesus, that they may be one just, just as we are one. So exactly as Jesus is one with the Father, the same way they are one with us and we are one with them. And the glory that the Father and Jesus Christ had, He has given to the believers, to new creation, the same glory. Let's move on. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Even a more powerful verse that says this, But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with Him. Amen. This is a powerful scripture. The one who joins himself, the one who makes Jesus Christ the Lord, who comes on the Lord's side, becomes one spirit with Jesus Christ. But we know that Jesus Christ is one spirit with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. That makes us one spirit with Jesus Christ, with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then we see in 2 Peter 1.4 that we are partakers of the divine nature. Even, even more clear scripture. Uh, let's read it together. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So we are already, the believers are already already have the whole divine nature in them, in us. We just need to activate it to become partakers of the divine nature, to manifest it in our lives in increased measures by His promises, by hearing, meditating, and believing those promises that are present in the world. These are the promises that we are reading now and studying, and we have been studying throughout all this uh, teaching series. These are the promises that we take in, we meditate with them, we believe, and through them we activate. We become partakers of the divine nature that is already in us. We make it manifest on the outside. Whatever is inside of the, we receive inside of, of the moment of salvation, we activate it on the outside. And that's extraordinary. It's amazing. That gives us hope. And John 1, 16, now we are moving into the same first section about new creation being one with the Father. We now, we will see in the, uh, uh, in the following verses that we also receive the fullness of the Father, of the God Himself, the fullness can we, this word comes from the Greek pleroma, which means fullness, everything that God is, all the qualities of God, all the abilities of God, the fullness of God. Let's see that in John 1.16 says this, For of His fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. Can we take this scripture seriously? Of, God, of God's fullness we have all received, the new creation in Christ has received. God's fullness. Amen? And, and we, uh, this is not the only place where we see this. We see also in Colossians 2 verses 9 to 10. We read this. For in Him, in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in Him you have been made complete. And He is the head over all rule and authority. So in Christ dwells all the fullness of deity and you are in Him. That means all the fullness of deity dwells in you as well. The whole presence of God dwells in you. So this, this session and the next ones, the 
and we started last time, these uh, are, are crowning everything that we discussed so far for all. We've been preparing for this, to arrive here and to see who we are in Christ. So we are in Christ, that means all the fullness of deity is in us believers as well. And we are made complete in Him. We are not lacking anything. We are complete in Him. And we need to manifest that completion on the outside. We are made complete at the moment of salvation. When you are born again, you are complete. You are not lacking anything. You are a part of God's household. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise be to Him. Ephesians 4, 11, 13. The next passage says this. And He gave some apostles and some, some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Have you ever seen this verse? We see this in the last verse in verse 13 that God expects us that in this life we would walk in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Meaning walking and manifesting the fullness of Christ which is the fullness of God. Look here verse 13. So that all these teachers, apostles, pastors, they are given to equip us, to equip the, equip the saints for the work of the ministry until all of us walk in the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. In the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the expectation. God, that's why God equips us to walk in the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 19. Paul says here, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So what does the scripture say to us? That we are already given access to all the fullness of God, but we are to be filled, to implement, to activate all, not just some, not just partially, all the fullness of God. And I believe the closer we get to the end times, the faster we approach the second coming of Christ, the church, will grow more and more in, in manifesting the fullness of God in supernatural things. Every believer will walk in an increased measure of the fullness of Christ in this earth. So it is possible, this verse also says that, is, is it possible on this earth, while we are on the earth as Christians, to be filled with all the fullness of God, with everything that God is, and, and that is by faith alone. So it's possible 
all the fullness of God. Can you imagine that? Is it possible? This is so, this gives us so much hope and so much joy that you, God's expectation, God's desire is for you to be filled with his fullness and to, with everything that he is. He did not, kept any, he did not keep anything for himself. He has shared with us everything that he is, everything that he has. And that is so exciting. That gives us so much hope, so much joy, so much peace, so much, well, I'm so excited about this. Uh, so God wants us to walk in his fullness. That's a joy for him to see us walking in his fullness. Amen. So that's uh, that kind of, kind of was the first point of this section that the new creation is one with the Father, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in essence and nature and but not in roles. And we are the fullness of God. We are filled with the fullness uh, uh, of God. And the second thing that we are going to share to share today is that the new creation is the word of God. Again, I think this session is maybe a lot to take in for most Christians, but I encourage you to look on the word and see for yourself what the word of God says. Uh, let's read the first scripture on this section. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23 uh, says this, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. So the new creation is born of the word of God. That means the new creation is the word of God. It has the same nature as the word of God. As Jesus Christ was. Jesus Christ was the word, right? The difference between Jesus and us is that Jesus was the word fully manifested. He was the word made flesh. But we, the new creation, is the word of God, but in a latent potential raw format. And believers need to put flesh to that word through, uh, through, think, through our thinking, through their thinking, through their actions, behavior, and by faith. So we, when we are born again, we are born of the word of God. We have the same nature as the word of God. And God's expectation and desire is to put flesh, to manifest that word, that word which is implanted in us, to manifest it on the outside or with other people. And, uh, and because we are the word of God, we will see in the following uh, passages that our words have become powerful. Our words have become spirit and life, the same as Jesus' words. Let's look at John 1. 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, apart from the Word, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. So this passage says that all things that were created, they came into being through the word that is you now. So the word created all things. We know that God spoke and he cre uh, creation came into existence. So the, that same word who created the whole world is you now, is planted in you. And, and we also see that in the word there is life and the life is the light of man. That means since you have been born of the word of God, that means you have 
that life in you right now. You are that life and you are the light of man. Can you say that about yourself? I am the light of man. I have the life of God in me. I know who I am. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The life of God, the nature of God flows through me. Rivers of living water flow through me. My words are spirit and life. Can you say that? When you declare those things, your spirit is stirred up, is stirred up and built up in faith. And then when you, when you face darkness, when you face sin, when you face the works of darkness, you have confidence, you have boldness to, to command, to, the, to come out, to to be put down, to be defeated. You are confident. You are built in faith. You are, you are full with faith. And that's what I declare many times when I pray. I am the light of man. I am the word of God made flesh. The word of God is in me. I am the word of God. I have the life of God in me. I know who I am. I am the son of God. I am one spirit with the Lord. I am one spirit with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in me without measure. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's the way we pray. And then you pray in tongues. And then you declare again and in this way keep it keep keeping at this meditate when you speak you also meditate you also think about who you are and in this way doing that regularly you, your mind starts to be renewed begins to be renewed and you walk in a, an increased measure of godliness of god nature on the outside amen I got a little bit excited <laughs> for a few moments John 6:63 says because the spirit is in you and you are the word as well. But let's read John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life, Jesus says. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus says the, the spirit gives life. And the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So because the spirit is in you, is in me, is in us. And we are the word as well. Believers are the word. Now, now your words, our, my words, now they are, they are spirit and life the same way they were, uh, Jesus' words were. So your words have power now when it is the word of God spoken out of faith. What is the, the word of grace, the word of the gospel? When you speak it out of faith, it has power, it has impact, it has spirit, it has life when we speak the words of God, when we speak the promises of God, the everything that God has given us, what is the word of God? What is the word of His grace? The word of God which you have become is everything that the new creation has become with, uh, with its fruits, desires, abilities, rights, privileges and responsibilities. Everything that the word of God says that you and I are and have in Christ, that's the word of God. Amen? That's what you have become. And when we speak those promises in, into being, when we declare, proclaim them, they are powerful. They, they have impact. The Word of God says the Bible is living and active, more cutting than any two-edged sword. And, and divides the soul from the spirit and it's, so, it's like a weapon. The word of God is weapon, is living and active. And that's what you are. That's what I am. So when you speak the word, that word goes and it's like a weapon and, and, and it's life, it's power, it brings life wherever it goes. Mark eleven twenty three says this, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Jesus says, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. 
Whatever you speak now in faith moves mountains. Why? Before it didn't. But why now? Because you have become the word who created everything into being just through words. So now your words have power to move mountains, to, to do things. Whoever says, whatever you say, whenever you say to the mountain, to a circumstance, to an, a giant, whenever you say, be taken up, you command it, be taken up and cast into the sea in the name of Jesus. Sickness, be gone in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Uh, poverty, death, be gone in the name. When you declare that, when you say, and you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe that what you say is going to happen. You believe that what you say is going to happen. It will be granted to you. Amen? So because of that, now we have to be very careful how we speak. How, how we speak and what we declare over, what you declare over you, over your life, over your children, over your destiny, over your job, over your ministry, over your possessions. Why? Because when we speak negative things, usually those are very easy believed. They are very easy to be believed. Usually we have a tendency to believe with all our hearts the negative things. Not the positive ones, not the godly ones, but the negative. We believe them so much, so deep. So because we believe that is a negative faith, but it's still faith. So when you declare negative things and you believe them, when you speak them and they come, uh, they, they come out of your mouth, because you believe them, uh, this verse applies. Be whatever you say and you believe, it will come into being, even if uh, that they might not happen immediately, they will start manifesting in your life. That is why we have to be very careful what we speak with our words. We cannot afford as sons of God to speak loosely, to speak easily, to declare negative things, to speak negative things in our lives, in our circumstances. And we have to learn to mend our speech, our, our words. We are sons and daughters of God. We are to walk in a manner worthy of that position. While on this earth, if you take seriously the word of God, then you will be careful what you say with your mouth and what you declare about your future. So many Christians die prematurely or have negative things happening in their lives and they don't, they don't know it was because of their own words. I heard Christians say uh, uh, terrible things like, I'm a loser, I'm a sinner, I am a nobody, or... I will, be, I will be dead before 40 or stuff like that. Don't say those things because they will manifest. They have the tendency to manifest because when you say them, you believe them. So they, even, if, even though you are a Christian, you are doing your own, uh, you are doing evil to yourself by your own words. So I encourage you to, to declare the words of God instead of declare, replace those negative. You, if you have certain sayings, if you spot, the Holy Spirit shows that you have certain things that you usually say and they are negative, replace them with the promises of God. Replace them and declare what the Word of God says about you and not what the world or what you may think that you are. Replace them with the Word of God. So when you speak the Word of God and you declare it, even if at first has small power because the faith is small, the faith in... Uh, the God about in which you have faith is small in your eyes. That's the issue. So in the beginning, it, it may not have so much power when you start speaking the Word of God. And even your mind might fight against it because it is in the beginning. Your mind could say, it could say to you, who are you kidding? 
what are you declaring? This is, this is, this is stupid. Why do you declare those to me? You know who you are. You know what you do, what you did last week. I know those things will fight in your mind, but they will go away. Those are strongholds. So the more you declare the word of God, those things that fight against it will become weaker. And then you will you'll pass on the other side when you will no longer be able to think how you thought in the past. You will see that. The more you declare the word of God, the more your mind is renewed and you start thinking in a different way. So in the beginning, the word it might have small power, but if you keep at it, your mind will change and will start believing it more and more. And then it will start manifesting more and more in your life, the, that word of God. And, um, and we speak the, the word of God in order to believe in the beginning, but then or in time, we begin to speak the Word of God because we believe. It becomes part of us. And we speak the Word of God everywhere, in every situation. We just find ourselves speaking the Word of God because we believe it is already in us. And we have come to believe it with all our hearts. James 1, 25 a beautiful passage. Uh, let's read it together. But prove yourselves doers of the Word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does." So whenever we, you look into a mirror, whom do you see there? It's yourself, right? The mirror, this passage says that, that we look into as Christian, is the law of liberty, the law of Christ, the word of grace. Uh, when we look in the mirror of the word of God, we see our natural face, says this passage. When we look in the mirror of the, when you look in the mirror of the word of God, you see your natural face. You look at what you are in Christ and then the James encourages us not to forget what you saw and go and be and do what you saw that you are already, that you already are. So you see yourself in the mirror of the, of the word of God. So because you see yourself, you see your natural fa face when you look in the mirror of the word of God, of the perfect law of Christ, that means you are the word because you see yourself in the mirror, right? So you are the word. When you look in the mirror of the word, you see yourself who are the word. Then you have to go and be that word that you saw. You, you're not supposed to forget. When we look, like, like right now, we look in the word of God, in the mirror of the word of God, and we see what we are. We don't, we, and the, James encourages, do not forget what you saw, what you, what you hear right now, what you study right now. Do not forget. So many Christians hear it as a sermon and we read the book and they are excited for a moment. But these scriptures, these things that we are talking now, they are to be kept and proclaimed and implemented in our lives so that they would have power. So do not forget that you are the word of God and then go and do that word. And the word of God is the manual of operation for the new creation is the manual of functioning the manual uh, when you receive uh, uh, let's say a, a camera or a device or anything that you buy on internet everything has an, a manual of operation that you have to read before you use that thing the bible the new testament the word of grace 
is the manual of the new creation. When you look in the mirror of that word, you see yourself because you are the word of God. And the word of God shows who you are and what you are to do, what you are to be. Amen. So uh, with that, we finalized also the second point that the new creation is the word of God and we are to manifest that word and put flesh to it. The, the third point is that the new creation has and is the glory of God. That's another powerful thing. And we know that there are at least two main connotations of the word glory, which comes from the Greek doxa. The first one is opinion, judgment, view, or praise. And, the, uh, and that meaning is found in many verses of the Bible, but I will give you two examples. John 5.41 I do not receive glory from man, Jesus says. I do not receive praises from man, in other words. And also John 5.44 how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? And here again it has the meaning of praise. You receive praise from one another. Amen. The second connotation, the second meaning of the word glory is splendor, brightness, power, excellence, exalted state, blessedness. And an example is in John 2.11 where it says, This beginning of His signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested His glory and His disciples believed in Him. So what was the, the manifestation of Jesus' glory in, in that instance? It was the sign of making water into wine. It was a supernatural miracle. And that, Jesus says, that was His glory. So in this context, glory is not praise, but it's excellence, His power, uh, brightness. And that, about this second connotation, we are going to talk. The new creation is this glory, this excellence, this brightness, this power. The new creation has become the glory of the Father, glory of Jesus Christ. And that again might be difficult to, to swallow, but that's true. That's the truth. And we will see in a couple of passages. Acts 7 verse 2. And he said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. I took this verse just to show you that God is declared as a God of glory, of excellence, of splendor, of brightness, of power, of blessedness, of exalted state. God, God the Father is a God of glory, is the Father of glory. Uh, let's move on. Romans 6, 4. Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from, from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. So Jesus was resurrected from the dead through the glory of the Father. This is the power of the Father. The glory of the Father is the power of the Father. This glory is something extraordinary. It's the excellence of the Father. And... Uh, there is a verse that a lot of Christians um, quote and declare many times. Um, Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All human race lost the glory of God that was in them at the fall. Adam and Eve had the glory of God in them and over them. They were shining. They didn't see that they were naked before the fall. They had that glory, that excellence over them. But after salvation, so the human race lost that glory, but after salvation, after we are born again, 
that glory is restored back to the to the new creation so the new creation is no longer fallen short of the glory of god the new creation now has the glory of god amen and we see that also in john 17 22. jesus christ uh, 17 22 we read it before but we read it again the glory which you have given me i have given to them to the disciples to the new creation to the believers that they may be one just as we are one. So we become one with the Father, with Jesus Christ, through His glory that He has given us. We share into that glory. We have the same glory that Jesus had, that the Father had, and the Father gave to Jesus. Then 1 Corinthians 2, 6 uh, to 16. I, I took big chunks of, uh, of passages just to, have, uh, to be aware of the context and to read the whole context in which uh, I'm interested in just a few verses, but I took a bigger context to, so that we will see in which context those verses that I'm interested uh, to explain, they are. So 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 16. Paul says, yet we do speak, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Again, see, the Lord is the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, the thoughts of God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually upraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised, appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is an extraordinary passage. And we have a few things that I want to show you here. First, that the wisdom of God was predestined. Verse 7, the wisdom of God was predestined for our glory. For your glory and for my glory. Amen. So those the wisdom of God, that wisdom that is spoken was predestined by that hidden wisdom was predestined before the ages for our glory. That's an extraordinary passage. I don't know if you have ever seen it before. Then I, we see in verse 8 that the Lord is the Lord of glory. And then in verse 9, he begins to unveil, to unfold, what is this glory? And he says, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of men. All that God has prepared for those who love him. And People and Christians tend to believe that these things are the things in heaven, in the future life, things that we cannot even imagine. But wait a minute, look, look further in the, into the passage. It says that, uh, what are those things? These things which God has prepared that eye has not seen and her ear has not heard. These things, 
the next verse has that God has revealed them to us through the Spirit. So it's not something that we will experience in the new heaven and a new earth. He already revealed them to us. What are those things? The things freely given to us by God. Things of the Spirit, which the natural man does not understand. These are the things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard. The things that are freely given to us by God. Things of the Spirit, which the natural man does not understand. And he cannot appraise them. He cannot evaluate them analyze them, comprehend them. The spiritual people, see in the last part of the passage, the spiritual people evaluate and analyze accurately all things of this life. They have a, 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 a good understanding of reality, even unseen reality. They understand, believers understand, the spiritual people understand all situations, all circumstances, according to their reality, not what is sin. Even unseen, and they take spiritual decision that might not seem logical to the natural man. For instance, uh, you might drive a car, and all of a sudden you have the the impression the Holy Spirit puts on you in the impression to stop and rest. And later you find out why, because when you stop, even though you did not, you did not know why you stopped. Then you find out that he protected you from a certain accident or a certain situation. That was a, a, a circumstance where it didn't seem logical to stop. But because you are spiritual and you are led by the Holy Spirit, you stop. You, 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 you've seen a reality that's beyond what is seen. And there are all, all kinds of situations when we, where the Holy Spirit prompts us to do something that is illogical, that doesn't make sense, where you, you feel like everything is perfect for a, a certain job, for a certain uh, interview, but there is something in your heart that doesn't give you peace. That's, that's a spiritual, that, those are the spiritual people. They have... A knowledge that natural people don't have. And why is that? The spiritual people cannot be evaluated, appraised, analyzed, understood by anyone. Because spiritual people have the mind of Christ. Think like Christ. Speak like Christ. Decide like Christ. So you have the mind of Christ. You have the thinking of Christ. You have access to the mind of Christ. Your mind and Christ's mind, they are one. You no longer, Christ's mind is you have access, the Bible says, to all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom when you are in Christ. And that's usually done by speaking in tongues, by meditating on the word. The more you meditate on the word, the more you'll start to experience and manifest the wisdom of God, the thinking of Christ, the mind of Christ. Now that's powerful. So people cannot understand you. Because you operate, you evaluate other people, other situations. But the natural people don't, does not understand uh, many times your speech, your actions, your decisions. Because you are spiritual and these things are evaluated by spiritual people. Colossians 1, 24-27. Now I rejoice in my suffering, says Paul, for your sake. And in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church. In filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit. So that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generation. But has now been manifested to his saints. To whom God willed to make known 
what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery, this mystery that Paul talks about is Christ in you. And this mystery has riches of glory. So Christ in you has riches of glory. The, this mystery is, the here says Paul, the hope of glory. Hope for glory here on earth, while you are on earth. Because in heaven, we will be in glory anyway. We will be in the glory of God. But Christ in you right now wants to come out through you and manifest His glory. If you have Christ in you, you have hope that glory will progressively be, mani progressively be manifested through you in all areas of your lives. And people will sense and see that glory of God over you and through you. I'll give an example. I, had a, I have an apartment in Yash, uh, uh, a small apartment that uh, when we decided to, to come to the States, to move to the States, we had to rent it. And the person, there was a lady, uh, a surgeon, a doctor, who rented our apartment. And the first time she came into our apartment to see the apartment and to rent it, she said this, I don't know what is it about this apartment, but I feel different. I feel, I feel good in this apartment. It's like a light. It's like a uh, like blessing. It's like... Uh, I, this, uh, this apartment gives me such a, uh, a state of well-being and I, uh, I feel peace. Whenever I come into this apartment, I feel peace. So for us, that was an encouragement because we are Christians, we are believers and we knew what she was talking about because we worshiped there, we prayed there in that apartment and that apartment had the glory of God. Had, uh, had, um, that's why even the people who are natural, who don't know God, personally they can feel they can sense that glory and i have other examples too i i have somebody who who was tormented during night he had all kinds of ghosts and things speaking to him and we i, I went into this apartment with with my wife and we prayed he was seeing things in corners of the apartment uh, dead people so i went there and by simply by faith i commanded those spirits to be gone and to, for any ghost, any tormentors, anything from the darkness, from the devil that was tormenting that, that person to be gone. And I declare the presence of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit over that apartment. And that, that's in the name of Jesus. And that's, that's uh, everything that I did. And that person experienced these things for years. He was seeing his dead mother. He could not sleep during night. He only slept during the day. He was really tormented. And he told me, he, he testified after that day when we went there and prayed and brought the glory of God in that, in that house, those torments ceased from that day. He could sleep in a, in a, he could sleep well during night. He had peace. He, he no longer heard noises. Nobody appeared to him anymore. So the glory of God, we carry the a weight of glory, the presence of the Holy Spirit wherever we go. And that glory dissipates darkness. I heard so many examples when people of God uh, met witches, witchcraft, and those witches were, or sorcerers were so frightened of the world, they sensed sense the the spiritual conflict the life of god coming out just by being there not by saying anything just by being there and i always pray this when i when i have my prayer time wherever i go the presence of god in me permeates the atmosphere dissipates darkness but the the glory the presence of god comes in every place I go, everywhere I go, I spread the aroma of the knowledge of His Son. Second Corinthians, I think 
4, if I'm not mistaken, or 2.14. Wherever I go, God causes me to spread the aroma of the knowledge of His Son. Amen? So we have that glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, says Paul, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Again, we have the image of the mirror. We are beholding the mirror of the glory of the Lord. We are looking into the glory of the Lord. We are meditating, thinking, reading. The mirror is the glory of the Lord, meaning that we are the glory of the Lord. We see ourselves in that mirror of the glory. We see the glory that is in us. Uh, and the more intently and persistently and continuously we look into the glory of the Lord and remind ourselves that we are the same glory, we meditate on it, we proclaim it, the more we manifest, manifest that glory in our lives from glory to glory, says Paul, from glory to glory. And that's another th a thing that you can pray. I climb from glory to glory every day. I'm being transformed from glory to glory. The glory of the Lord it manifests through me in increased measures wherever I go. Through my speech, through my behavior, my actions, my thoughts are the glory of God. They manifest the glory of God. Amen. That's the way uh, we can pray and build ourselves up. Ephesians 1.18. A little bit more to go and we will be done soon. Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? There is an inheritance in the saints, in us today, and which has glory, Paul says. And not only just a simple glory, but the riches of glory. You are saints, and you, saints, you are among the saints and you have an inheritance for this while you are on this earth. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Therefore, if you, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Amen. So in this passage, seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God does not refer to the future life, to the things of heaven, the new heaven and the new earth. To think about how beautiful it will be when we all get there. There's even a song, when we all get to heaven, what a wonderful thing that would be. So this passage does not talk about those things above. The things above are things beyond this earthly realm that God has given us in Christ. Where Christ is king. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What is the thing above for us? That we are seated with Him in the heavenly places. I explained in the first session. We are seated with Him. We have the same authority. These are the things above. Our authority in Christ. Uh, these are spiritual things that govern the earthly realm. These are the things above that exist in the heavenly realms. So these things are freely given to us. Our authority in Christ, our spiritual blessings, grace, love, holiness, health, prosperity, wisdom, peace, joy, victory in every circumstance. These are the things we need to set our minds on. The supernatural things to which we have a legal right on. 
We have the legal right through Christ to exert those things, to have those things, to manifest those things, to expect those things all the time. So that then Christ who is in us and is our life is revealed through us and we are also revealed with Him in glory here on earth. The glory is revealed through us uh, because He who is our life, He is in us, the, we are hidden with Christ in God, that life comes out. So His glory is manifested through us. Amen. Four more passages about the glory. 1 Thessalonians 2, 10, 12. 10 to 12. You are witnesses and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father with would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. God himself called the believers to his own kingdom and glory. You are called to his glory. I am called to his glory. He called us to glory and to proclaim his excellencies and virtues here on earth. Next passage, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this He called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He called the believers through the gospel. Why? So that they would gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He called you through the gospel so that you would gain the glory of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2, 10, 11. We read this passage, but we read now uh, the second verse too. For it was fitting for him for, for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the hour of their salvation for sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So here we see that God's purpose through Christ was to bring many sons to glory again. So you are no longer fallen short of the glory. You are brought to glory, back to glory. You are, God's purpose was to bring many sons and daughters to glory. The believers are full of glory now. Amen? And the last passage on this section about the glory of God, 1 Peter 1, 10-13. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore prepare your minds for actions. action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. After the sufferings of Christ there are glories to follow. Before the second coming of Christ. The glories are these things that have been announced to you. And which the angels long to look. And what are these things? The unveiling and the application of the gospel into saints. In, through, through the saints. And we'll see the last word what it says. Paul says, fix your hope completely on the grace 
that is being brought to you when? To you in or by or through the revelation of Jesus Christ in you and not at the second coming. Here the revelation of Jesus Christ refers to the revealing of Jesus Christ. The grace is being brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed for you by faith. So grace is given to you, is multiplied to you. That's why Paul says fix your hope, not for future life for, but for now. Hope that, grow, that grace would show His face, would show its face, would manifest for you and Christ would be revealed for you. We're moving on to the fourth uh, and fifth section of this session, which are very sm smaller, much smaller. So the fourth point of this uh, uh, session is that the new creations are kings and priests. And we know that Jesus Christ was king and priest in the same time. And the new creation who is in Christ has become both kings king and priest. And let's read Revelation chapter 1 verses 4 to 6. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before the throne, and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. In other translation says, he has made us to be kings and priests, not a kingdom. But it's the same thing, kingdom and priests. Also Revelation 5.10. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. Kings and priests to our God. And they will reign upon the earth. We are called to reign. And we already made a, a, a verse from Romans 5.17 that that, where it says that Christians that receive abundance of grace are, will reign in life. But before that, let's look at 1 Peter 2.9, which by now we should know probably. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellences of Him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the verse that I was saying, Romans 5.17 says this, For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and, the gift, and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Our reign in life is over sin, death, darkness, sickness, curse, not over people. So we reign in life even now from the spiritual realm. We reign over natural things, over things that come against us, over darkness, over sickness. We reign through the Spirit of God. And that is, uh, we see that in Romans 6.14. Paul says, For sin shall not be master over you, shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. So if sin does not have dominion over you, that means you have dominion over sin. You have rulership over sin. You reign over sin. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you, nothing will hurt you. So you have authority to tread upon all the power of the enemy. This is dominion. This is kingship. This means to be a king in the heavenly places, over the devil, over darkness. Uh, and Matthew 10, 8, another uh, illustration of uh, kingship, of rulership. Jesus says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. 
So this was about kingship and priests. And priests, the role of priests is to bring worship to God, to bring, to minister to the Lord. And that's what we do when we worship, when we sing, when we pray, we minister to the Lord first and foremost. So he has made us kings and priests. The last point, fifth point of the session is that the new creation has become light uh, of the world, the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And we see that in Matthew 5, 13 to 14. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Usually we say Jesus is the light of the world and he is. But Jesus said about us, about disciples, about the believers, that you are also the light of the world. Can you say that about you? Uh, I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. Can you say that without thinking about you, that you are still a sinner, you are nobody, and you think you're humble by doing that, but that's not humility. That's pride. Because you are saying something that God did not say about you. And you think you are better than God. Because God said that you are light and you say, I'm not. So you know better than God and that's pride. <laughs> so don't think for a moment that you are humble when you say that, that I am a sinner, I am nobody, I am nothing to God, I don't know how God, I don't deserve anything. Yes, you don't deserve, but He made you to the, He made you a new creation even if you didn't deserve. So don't say a lie, don't say something that God didn't because that's not humility, it's pride. Amen? Uh, so I am the light of the world. Ephesians 5, 8. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You are a son of light, a daughter of light. One more verse. So light does not mean, does not mean only morality and goodness. It also means wisdom in decisions. It means knowledge. It means understanding, power, patience. It means supernatural understanding, knowledge. When other people don't know what to do, you know. You will have wisdom. You have the wisdom of God. They, they can always come to you and rely on you for, for counsel, for, for advice, for a word from God. Amen? So that's also light. Colossians 1, 9-10 For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with, with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has qualified the believers to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. In the light. So you are a saint in the light and you have access and share to the inheritance. And the last passage for this session is 1 Thessalonians 5, 4-5. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief, for like a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. 
So all of us, all the believers are sons of light. Can you say, please, I encourage you to say that about you and declare it. I am a son of light. I am a son of day. I am a daughter of light and a daughter of day. I am no longer of the night or of the darkness. Amen. Isn't that exciting? So in this session, to summarize, we discussed first that the new creation is one with the with God in essence and nature, but not in role. And he, the new creation has the fullness of God. The new creation uh, is the word of God. The new creation has and is the glory of God. The new creation is king and priest in the same time. And the new creation is the light and the salt of the earth. And we close by memorizing two passages. One that comes from John 1.16. We read it in the session and where it says this. For of His fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. Now if we personalize it, For of His fullness I have received, and grace upon grace. I have received of His fullness. And the second uh, verse, uh, Hebrews 2.11, For both He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Let's try to personalize it. For both he who sanctifies and me who I am sanctified, we are both all from one Father. For which reason he is not ashamed to call me brother or sister. Amen. May God bless you and thank you for your patience. I hope you, you, uh, you have been built and strengthened in your inner man through this session. And I pray that the Lord would fill you with His peace, with His joy, and that He would manifest more and more Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen.